It's the right time in Worcester, it's the right place. We're proud of our heritage and we love mechanics all, Elm Park and all. The folks you love to meet, we find our civic pride of beaming wide on neighborhood streets. It's the right time in Worcester, it's the right place. And we thank you for caring about Worcester the way we Hello, Worcester. It's April 11th. Hello, Worcester. It's April 12th, 2011. I'm Mike Benedetti. This is 508, a show about Worcester. This is Brendan Milliken. Brendan, how are you today? Excellent, sir. How are you? I'm fantastic. There's a ton of stuff going on today. Um, we also have a pile of paperwork to look at. One piece of paperwork I want to look at right off is this Worcester Who Knew flyer. For those who believe that this was a slogan that we made up, no, in fact, there's an actual slogan called Worcester Who Knew. I had no idea the city existed before this flyer came out. <laughs> Who Knew. I love that slogan. Um, I think that there are two... Uh, two big reported stories this week, and one big unreported story this week. The big reported, the, the the bigger of the two reported stories this week is probably that there was a double murder in Worcester uh, this week, said to be a drug deal gone bad by the police, and the family said, no, 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 these guys were not involved with drugs. And we'll find out as time goes on and more information comes out exactly what's going on there. The other big uh, reported story this week is, uh, let me get my phone out here. Let me waste. Turn. I'll turn the camera on you while I'm getting my phone set up here. Sorry. What do you think about that flyer? That's a great flyer. It's a free admission to the Ecotarium. You know that Kenda is a uh, Kenda the polar bear is uh, I believe 28 years old this year, and uh, the average lifespan for a polar bear is 25 years. So if you want wow. to go up there and uh, keep your eyes on Kenda, that should go down <laughs> any minute now. That's... You know, I've never seen the Ecotarium. I've never seen the Ecotarium. I don't even know where it is. We need to do a show up there. I mean, you got to see. Kenda. Where is it physically? Um. How could I have lived in Worcester for nine years <laughs> and by, never uh, seen North, this North High School? Yes, I mean, that, the oh, east I don't side know of the where city. that is either. It's, um, is there an east side of the city? Okay. Yeah, there is. But so, I mean, I think there has to be I know, geographic. I'm just being silly. Ken, I mean, we have an actual polar bear in the city of Worcester that lives inside a swimming pool. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> I mean, it's one of the most absurd things that the city of Worcester has going for it is this, you know, aging polar bear that just paces back and forth angrily inside of a swimming pool. I only imagine fantasizing about eating all the children that sit there and stare at her all day long. But She's getting old. Just getting old. Just like we can do a show. Or we can do a remote up at a Kenda's tank. We'll do it. Days. We'll do it. So, so the so the so the story I want to talk about is that the city council had their photo taken, and apparently in the past it's usually been done sort of informally by journalists or something, and this time it was done like by formal actual Mike Nyman, actual photographer. Here's the photo, and um, I don't know if you can make it out here. The big the big the big scandal in this photo is that Mike Germain here on the side, just like. It's got like this 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 problem here with the that shirt button issue. That the button this button issue and the problem is it's just like basically this is just like here's a big white flag to say check out my gut ladies and this is not a good look you know this is not and everybody else here is pretty good like there's no pocket squares or anything nobody's trying to be fancy in these photos even <laughs> we should point out that 
he's sitting two seats away from the mayor, Joe Bryan. This is a man who hasn't slept in 18 years. It's kind of a miracle his jacket's not on inside out. It's definitely a borrowed tie. I mean, yeah, <laughs> the bar was very low for Mike. And it's one of those little fake dicky kind of a things that you're just going to put the collar and the shirt front on, probably. <laughs> Still, if you're not... If, you're the Slav- if you're the Slavia's dressed person in a photograph with Joe Bryan, come on. So no. the question is, the, the controversy, okay, go ahead, because I just want to say I was the controversy. Too, not much is. mention of um, the leopard print that Connie's got going on in there. Connie well, has kind of like a... Uh, it's hard to tell what could be going on underneath that. Uh, oh, she's just, Connie's just got like a little, like a shirt or maybe like a little necklace or like a little scarf thing right in there. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so the, so the question is, the controversy, the, the point is not Mike Germain whatever has his shirt poking out because who cares it kind of is the point though it got well no the point so the, the question if that was all it was it would be like it would be unremarkable the question is what is he doing wrong and this is so 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 i'm gonna i have a i have a jacket on here do you want to hold this for why don't you so hold the camera while you're buttoning so here this is a three button jacket right? right and so traditionally you never button the bottom button of any jacket like Right. You could button it, but it's just an old-time thing that you don't do that. Mm-hmm. And all the jackets are designed so that you don't do that. They mm-hmm. fall very nicely if you don't do that. So here I am sitting here, you know, like in a sort of seated position. And like, okay, I have a little tie sticking out, so I'm actually going to put my legs together. Yeah, I think that's the, the actual problem here. So here I have a little tie sticking out, so I can just kind of do a little bit of this, and it will fall nicely. So I think the problem is that the photographer needs to say to him, like, you need to kind of do a little bit of this, you know. Pull it if together. Too much. Right. And actually, I mean, this tie is maybe a little too long, so let's just do a little tuck, tuck it in. Well, and, the, and again, what you're doing right now is the sort of thing that you would think a photographer would put together, right? You would, would just say, Counselor Germain, get your thing tucked in there. So th- Here, he well, takes so, this over. It makes okay. me nervous. All right. So some people were telling, some people on the internet, though, and you know how people are on the internet. I know. They don't know. The they don't know. They're saying, oh, you should button the bottom button. I feel like this is not true. In fact, the other guys in the photograph not buttoning the bottom button. If you're walking around, I think the bottom button is okay to be buttoned. If, but I mean, yeah, if you're seated, I mean that's because then the whole coat's going to rise up if you're if well, you're seated. And I, I think he's buttoning the top button too. And I feel like, like the, again, like the coat should be hanging naturally, and there shouldn't be any pulling or anything. But if there is any pulling, like this is probably only sort of levering it off of the middle button, levering the fabric off of the middle button. So maybe you should. There really does appear to be some stress in play in the coat, though. I mean, the coat. So this looks is exactly stressed. Hold, I mean, hold this, hold this a second more. It, it reminds me. I don't want the entire world to see what your um what my little password. password is there. I mean, it it, it does appear. Here's a good shot. So can you look back here? Can you see this? So you can see that there's these pull lines, these these like t- stress lines off of this. So I think that this jacket is not. This is another. This could be another borrowed jacket. It could be. It could be from the same guy as Joe O'Brien. But I bet that Mike Germain wears a bigger suit size than Joe O'Brien. He's a bigger guy. All I'm saying is, you know, it could have been Barbara pulling on the back of his coat though too. She's got. See, so let's look at this. You can't really see where that left arm is. Here's Mike Germain, kind of like, hmm. Barbara Heller's like, yeah. Yeah. Oh. It's a setup. This is like, this is it's like that. Year, this is like, you ever see that movie Blow Up, an Antonioni <laughs> movie about photographic evidence? This is it. That's it. It's evidence of the crime. She's got the back of his neck like a little kitten. Pulling it, yeah. Screwing his jacket. So, and, I, you know, I'll give you, the one thing I want to talk about, too, is just, anyway, so, yeah. anyway, so, I honestly <laughs> feel like if you're sitting down, you should probably unbutton the jacket, though. Yeah. Like, you could also do, and, and I'll say, like, if you're watching this right now, on Channel 13 or whatever, or you're not watching on Channel 13, go to a television, turn it on. Your chances are 50-50 that there's an episode of Law and Order on. Wait till the end. And Sam Waterston, you know Sam Waterston? Yes. Lawyer of Law and Order. He always does this on the show. It's so cool. Like, whenever he sits, whenever he stands up, he does kind of like a, a this motion with his hand, just like absentmindedly while he's like, isn't it, well, Mr. Whatever, I'm going to cross-examine you or something. Right. 
And he does this, and then when he sits down, there's just like a little... It's so, acting. All I'm saying is, it's acting. But it's good see, that's for... also one of those things, too, that I think a lot of men don't realize anymore, that just because you have a button and a hole to put that button through doesn't mean they're supposed to be connected. Like, if we look at the, the left side of your coat and the lapel there, there's a buttonhole there. And I'm sure there's somebody out on the planet who is, uh, or I mean, it could be for a, a lapel, but a lot of, like, uh, like peacoats and whatnot will actually have, you know, a <coughs> collar that buttons across yes, so you can yes. pull the collar. It doesn't mean you're actually supposed to do that, right? And, and if you try to, you can get yourself all sorts of tied up. You'll end up looking like a five-year-old who hasn't really figured out how the buttons mm. line up on a shirt. Yeah. You don't need to go that far. If it's cold, though. That could, that, that's, a, that's now a historical document. And uh, 2011 is not going to go down as a, a, a quality year for the, uh, the, 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 the historical viewers of the Worcester City Council. They're going to look at that photo and they're going to say, so, What the hell was the voters thinking? They're... I wonder the same thing. Anyway, Mike Germain, that's just... I would like to actually like to have... I, I like this theory that it's the wrong size of jacket. He's, yeah. he, that I, there's, there's two prongs to the theory. One is that the photographer needs to do something. The other one is it's the wrong size of jacket. Mm -hmm. It would be interesting to have somebody... I don't know anybody off the top of my head who's built like City Councilor Germain. If you are or know someone who is and you want to come on the show and do a little like criminal reenactment thing, let's make it happen. I would love to have you come on with a, with a properly sized jacket and find out... Because, like, I'm kind of, like, I'm a little bit on the skinny side. So maybe... Well, and there's also that thing, too, where, I mean, if you're standing up when you're... You know, I mean, most people are mm -hmm. standing when they get dressed. It's very easy to make a suit that doesn't actually fit you look like it fits you, right? Like, yeah. you, you can drop your waistline a little bit. You know, you can pull the coat forward. You know, you can play with your cuffs. Yeah. So it yeah. looks like everything's put together. As soon as you sit down, everybody that's around you realizes that you're wearing right a, coat that, or a suit that does not fit. You know, your pant, your, your pant legs are up around your knees and... You know, your coat's doing whatever Mike's uh, coat is doing there. It, it falls apart quickly when you sit down. It was not a, uh, a well-planned photograph. I, I'm really happy we're both wearing ties on this show. It, it, it ties the whole show together. <laughs> it does. So the, the third the third thing, which is the un, big unreported story of the week, and there's like, going to be a lot of me talking on the show, so you should That's fine. I'll just sit here and relax. Is, uh, <clears throat> um, is uh, that there was a talk, and he's literally reading papers behind me. There was a, um, there was a talk at St. Peter's Parish uh, Monday night, it was facilitated by Dr. Deborah Plummer, who is, I believe, the Vice Chancellor of Diversity at UMass Med School. And she was there to talk about the beloved community, which is this concept which is most closely associated with Martin Luther King. And it turned out to be basically be a talk about race. And it was very good. It was very well facilitated. It was the kind of thing where she stands up and says, like, it's all, so it's all moved to the front, and then there were communities, so it's like have more of a discussion than a lecture, mm -hmm. which sometimes just becomes a big fiasco and this time it was really good um part of what i really liked about it was that i haven't been to a lot of talks about race most of the ones i've been at it's either been i've been one of the very few people white people in a room of black mm -hmm. people or it's been a room full of white people and there's maybe one or two black people or whatever other race people and this was a thing where there was a real mixture of Africans and African Americans and Latinos and immigrants and people born in the United States and plenty of white people mm -hmm. and just like the whole deal and everybody was sort of throwing out their whatever their view and there were people of all kinds of uh, I, I would say people sort of coming at it from all sorts of class background too there are some people who were talking about DNA and there were some people who were like I don't care what anybody thinks that Richard Pry is hilarious mm -hmm. <laughs> You know, and like people were, and it was great. And it really made me proud to be a Catholic. Is that, the, the, like one of the places where the Catholic Church, I feel, is pretty functional is as a actual uh, uh, cross-class, cross-racial, sure. international organization. 
And uh, that was evident. The other thing that was nice, it was nice as a race, a conversation about race in America was that it wasn't like we're all here as part of some sort of amorphous progressive thing or all here's some sort of amorphous thing called the city of Worcester. And like maybe tomorrow, like maybe these person I'm sitting here next to sharing my thoughts about being black or white or whatever, I'm never going to see them again or whatever. Mm -hmm. It was like, this is people who I'm going to have to deal with Sunday after Sunday at the very least for a long time to come. And so it's like a real community, like making connections that need to be made. And it was just good, you know, Mm -hmm. like it was just a good conversation. So I, I don't know, like, again, like people who have been to a lot of conversations about this stuff, uh, are not going to be like, oh, this is like the outstanding race conversation of American history. Mm-hmm. But I just really like that, you know. And so I'm hoping that... I, I don't have anything on... I wasn't <laughs> there, so I don't think to, to say about that particular event. But I did notice last week's Worcester Magazine, there was a, a nice article about a professor over at um, Clark, uh, who's a transplant to Worcester. Who Robbie is, Perry. Who is revitalizing uh, Worcester's chapter of the... and um, NAACP. Exactly, right. Which... Uh, also seems like a, a, a it's kind of nice thing that you know it i was actually shocked to read that the chapter had kind of dissipated and fallen yeah. off the map it's nice to see somebody actually picking up picking that up yeah, it was interesting. anyway so that was the other unreported story of the week what else do we got this week we got a ton of stuff coming up this weekend the firehouse prom if you if you need to go to this you know about it but the firehouse prom fundraiser is coming up this weekend the worcester veg fest is on sunday Man, oh man, we've wanted to have people come out and talk about the Veg Fest for months now, and the scheduling never works out. And tonight we're finally like, oh, we can do it, and they're all like, oh no, we have to go listen to Noam Chomsky talk. So you know what's at the Veg Fest? Brendan Mellican, Bruce Friedrich, who was one of the vice presidents of PETA for a long time, president of or president of the Christian Vegetarian Association, Catholic worker, mm-hmm. uh, sometime Catholic worker, is going to be speaking. Will Potter, author of Red is the Green is the New Red, who talks about uh, vilification legal and otherwise of the environmental movement and animal rights people. Um, Terry Hope Romero, who was the co-author of Veganomicon, and uh, Issa Chandra Moskowitz's partner in crime, big celebrity among vegan chefs. Someone who I w- we could have actually had on this show, except that because of our scheduling this week, I'm not around for her to be in town. I would love to talk to her about her ascent from cable access in Brooklyn to mm-hmm. becoming a famous vegan. But Noam Chomsky will not be speaking. Noam that Chomsky course. is not going to be there. He may actually still be speaking. At Clark. I, if you've yeah. ever seen Noam Chomsky, speak. he in may which, still be there four days in later. In which case, most of the scheduled speakers for VegFest may not actually be able to make it. Because I don't know. they'll all be up still at Clark listening to him. It's possible. Anyway, the VegFest is coming this weekend. It's great. If you went to the VegFest last year, this is going to be bigger and better than last year. It's at, um, it's at Worcester State, right? It's at Worcester State College University Center on April the 17th from noon to 5 p.m. It's a free event. There's food samples there. You should be able, probably, I think, also be able to buy food there. There's probably going to be bands and things there. There's going to be like a circus thing. Some sort of vegetarian circus is going to be there. So it's a circus with no animals? Is that... I think it's a circus involving vegetables also. Really? I don't like know. the Fruit of the Loom guys? I d- <laughs> Instead of I d- I'm not going to be here. I'm not going to find out. I have out. no idea. Maybe you could go. I know you don't want to, but maybe we could go. <laughs> maybe, maybe I find could go. out for us. We'll leave that as an open-ended question. Maybe. <laughs> anyway, so that's pretty cool. Um, <clears throat> it's Holy Week next week. Speaking of parish stuff, um, the uh, 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 Duck Yao, the restaurant Duck Yao, opened up. Uh, is opening up officially on Friday. It's actually opened up officially now, but they're having their grand opening on Friday. Did you ever eat at Duck Yao? I've still never been there. This you, was you've... this was sort of run as a home restaurant right. semi illegally for a while, and then eventually that became untenable. At one point, they were actually working. Uh, they would do food delivery. They would deliver lunches, um, vegan lunches, and it was kind of incredible. I used to work downtown in a building, and I would have my lunch delivered, and it was partially it was worth it just to see people who were like. 
small boy on a bicycle is riding up and giving you lunch. <laughs> Who is- <laughs> What's wrong with you? Exactly. And I would be the same way if this happened in my building. Mm-hmm. Like, I would be like, it's a mystery. How is this guy... Whatever happened to the, uh, didn't we have a vegan burrito delivery service that was going on Oh, for a while they were too? doing it for a while. Greg Opperman was doing it for a while. That was great. They're, okay. they, I, think that they, I think that they just were like, this is not worth the while. But yeah. the, 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 the Duck Yell also is apparently only, only going to be open for one year. This is their goal. <laughs> 12 months. Because they always did that just as a labor of love. And it's just crazy inside. It's fantastic inside. Um, just the decorations are crazy and fun and delightful and wonderful. Location? It's a, I think it's like at 872 Main Street. It's, um... When I went there the other day, it still had no actual exterior signage. It just said Hong Kong Buffet or whatever the place that we used to be there. Okay. It's almost right across from St. Peter's Catholic School. It's like right across the oh, street sure. on Main Street, right around that area. Yep. Um, maybe like off of Oberlin, kind of off of Oberlin Street in there. Anyway, you people, if you need to know where it is, you'll know where it is. Otherwise, you'll see it in Worcester Magazine or something that ran an article. Um, we got a ton. We got a big pile of paper here. Other stuff that people suggested this week is that we should talk about the closing of the PIP. I don't know what to say. There's still a bunch of people hanging out on the street up to no good around the PIP, across the street. But the PIP is closed. Somebody wants to talk about city council races. We're going to do that in May. We're not going to talk about them this early. Uh, somebody said, new, Jim May posted a thing on Facebook saying, new plumbing museum? And I wrote back saying, is there a new plumbing museum? Because there used to be a plumbing museum, sanitary plumbing museum in Worcester. And then they moved it to Clinton or something. Mm-hmm. And he was like, there could be. And I was like, I don't know what this is. Of course just, there could be. I, mean, I don't know what he's saying. Yeah. I just want to say thank you, Jim May, for... In, Increasing my sense of wonder about the universe of being like, the plumbing museum? Maybe. Maybe not. Um, Do you think there's any relationship between the closing of the, pl- or the, the failure of the plumbing museum and, and its past location and uh, the dismantling of that AIDS and hepatitis B of Niobe controlled in the Piedmont area sign? Because they were neighbors. And that sign, I think, brought a lot of people into the Piedmont area so they could just look at that sign and say, my God, what the hell is going on down here? Part of that Manoog building in there is gone now, right? Yeah. They're, like, ripping that out. Like, that area's all well, changing. Well, didn't the buildings around. next to it, like, fall on top of it or something? I don't or know. Was... This, is, this is why you watch this show, because we're like, didn't this happen? <laughs> like, so you can listen to people make stuff up. You know something? Worcester. Who knew? Who knew? Um, we don't. We don't know. There, there's. We've talked on this show about uh, Clark University and this quid pro quo with the city, getting the city to agree that they can. They're going to shut down Downing Street, which is a street adjacent to campus. It would sort of connect some of the off-campus buildings across the street with Clark in a pedestrian way if they could shut the street down. And uh, there's actually opposition. I don't know who the opposition is, but there's definitely people organizing against this. I've asked people who is organizing against this. People who are at least familiar with the idea that this is happening, and they're like, I don't know. And the the, uh, the the argument is it's going to hurt emergency services to the neighborhood. This cat is trying to get in. Not during the show. Do you know this cat? <sighs> Sadly, yes. No. Um, anyway, I just wanted to mention that there are people opposed to closing Dewey Street, or to Downing Street. I don't know if there's going to be any traction. There are people in Worcester who are opposed to the sun rising in the morning, though, so I don't know if we should put too much stock in that. I don't know. I just mentioned this for, I just mentioned this for my, my lifestyle, just finding out about stuff. That people are on the street. To. I just yeah. found out about on the street. Here's a big pile of paper, Brendan Malikan. You want to you want to go through yeah, this with me? Yeah. Um. <laughs> let's read that second. Here's the African Radiant. Um. There's nothing really. There's not too much local stuff in the Radiant. This is a. Uh, this is for the African. Uh, the African community in town. Uh. But anyway, the Radiant is out this week. Um. This is the St. Peter's. Oh, we should mention the actually Happiness Pony. This is something that we've been working on for a while. This is a newspaper which myself and uh, Sarah Asefa and Asil Needle are putting out. We're going to try to put this out monthly. We're not making any money off of it. We have ads, but we're not selling the ads. 
we actually have a financial statement in the back in case you're curious about circulation and all that kind of details. It's just all kinds of stuff. Go to happinessponey.com and you can find out more. And um, I don't know. So far, it's so good. You know, it's sort of funny to try to figure out. I enjoyed it. You did enjoy it. What was your favorite article? Um, I don't remember. All right. You didn't read it. I didn't read it. You left it in my mailbox. I read it the night, the night, I, the night that you left it there. I don't remember what I read in the Telegram today either. Right, there you, well, there you go. Well, Short so we're, attention spans in this we're, country, man. You we're can't. playing on the same level as the Telegram already. That's fantastic. This is the uh, this is the parish bulletin for St. Peter's. I thought that in this in the sense of uh, in the sense of uh, serendipity, we could we could talk about this. Um, the yearly appeal of called Partners in Charity is happening. This is a thing where the Diocese of Worcester, which is like all the Roman Catholic churches in Worcester, is doing raising at the diocesan level, fundraising on the diocesan level, and trying to get the local churches to give them some money. The fish fry has been rescheduled to this Friday. Because previously it was it was too snowy on the Fish Friday to have the Fish Friday. Um, on Senior Scollins' letter, Fish Friday was canceled due to snow. Flower envelopes. Maybe I'll just read Monsignor Scollins' letter um, rather than read all the individual things. We had an uplifting day of healing this past Tuesday. Thanks to all who came and participated. Thanks to Father John Savard SJ for his inspiring message. Thanks to Sister Anne for organizing this event. Thanks to Kathy and Kelly for the music. And thanks to Dave and Brian for all their efforts. This week, Dr. Deborah Plummer will be with us on Monday evening. We talked about this. Our fish fry was canceled because of the snow. We talked about that. Partners in Charity Appeal. This weekend, we'll have more about the Partners in Charity Appeal. In a week, we begin Holy Week. It's a universal retreat of the church. We will gather and be moved. This Sunday, we conclude the three important gospels. We have heard about meaning in life, the reality of suffering, and now we hear of resurrection. The gospel does not diminish the harshness of death. It actually and accurately portrays our feelings at the death of our loved ones. We are angry and hurting. We are perturbed. It also affirms the need to grieve and mourn. We cry and embrace each other. It also shows forth the promise of God and ultimately the glory of God. If you have a parish bulletin that you would like us to read on the show, just give it to me, and I'll happily read it. I'm not going to read this every week, but I feel like occasionally I'm going to read this. This is Mother's News. This is Jacob Brandes' paper. Jacob is an apostate and now lives in Providence, but it's still kind of Worcester feeling. He actually has a really good article in here about Mardi Gras, which I'm going to post on Pie and Coffee. Probably my favorite article about Lent, actually, of all the the Lenten season. Um, here's the in-city times man this in-city times is kind of a screwed up issue once again it's like it's got two articles by uh, john monfredo about the schools like come on people and it's got this big thing by bill randall called what inspires you bill coleman not bill randall and it's basically it kind of reminds me of the thing that parade magazine does once a year where they have a bunch of people's photos and they have like their name profession and how much they earn and this is kind of like that except it just has what inspires you and pretty much everybody's inspired by family and I'll tell you what I wish that I got from this more than just like dozens and dozens of people's photos. Brandon Malkin was like, what is the story behind the inspiration? Like, because mm. the inspiration of family to one person is different than the inspiration of family to another person. I'm sure some of these stories are super inspiring. Just the word family or well, I mean, my band. Is, is the, this guy has the future. I mean, is that is that even possible to be inspired by the future? Yeah. Sure. Really? Yeah. All what right. are you, Brandon Malkin, doubting, <laughs> doubting Thomas? Yeah, so this is just sort of like a, yeah, like I said, it's a, this is an article which needs to be like an ongoing series in the Anthony Times where Bill Coleman and really talks to people. It looks like Paul Levinson from uh, Tuckerman Hall is not inspired. <laughs> He's inspired, it just says Mr. Levinson? Yeah, it doesn't. <laughs> He's inspired by himself. This He's inspired by the, his name. Too. Same thing. He's... Gary Poland. Oh, I, see, I thought some of those people with their names under there were inspired by This guy's by, like, name is family, apparently. Is it Bruce Russell? No. 
Wow, this thing just keeps going. Man, now, the is there a picture of uh, Bill Coleman's beard in here? No, there's no because picture of Bill Coleman in there. That, oh, yeah, it is right here. Is that his beard? And you can kind of see it. It's, oh, really? it's hazy. I was getting worried because I mentioned that beard oh, a, a couple weeks back. Oh, and, it's kind of uh, Santa Claus, or it's kind of Burl Ivesy. Yeah, it, but when I mentioned a couple weeks back, you know, I've heard from a bunch of people, like, you know, making comments on my comment on his beard, and it got me worried that maybe um, I, he didn't have a beard, and I imagined the entire thing. Like, maybe I was starting to imagine Bill the way I envision him, and I'm, there it is, though. It's looking good. You can't really tell on this. No, no. I shaved my beard off this weekend. I regret that I did. Bill, keep your beard, and I'll regrow a beard, and we'll... We'll do it together, man. This and is really weird. It's just kind of like a bunch of people's pictures. But you know what? I don't know. This is also a good circulation thing. I think because people are like, hey, I'm in the City Times. you got to read well, it's this It's like issue. the Pulse, right? Yeah. I mean, it's the, it is like the... Speaking of the Pulse, here's the Pulse the pulse of the Elderly Vitality magazine, published by the same people as the Pulse, and with the same kind of advertorial kind of a feel. Uh, like, for example, this week's cover guy is David mm. Duddy Massad. And I picked this up thinking maybe this would sort of put the many controversies that swirl around him into context. No... It does talk about how much he weighs, yeah. and it talks about the next phone he would like to buy. So it is kind What's of he wants to buy an iPhone. Oh, really? It's kind of a weird article in that sense, but it's not really, not really what it needs to be. Hmm. I don't know. Anyway, but you know what? Again, much like the Pulse, I am not in the demographic to read a magazine called Vitality for senior citizens. No. So I am not going to judge it. No. I can I mean, I can tell you that it's, a, it's, a, it's a magazine that's not reaching down into people in their 30s. That's wow. all I can tell you. That is a really weird fest, the Elder Care uh, 2011 fest. That's very reminiscent of the Pulse, too. Like, It's just some photos, like here's some people, here's some people who were there. That Elder Care fest. They don't actually have that feature in here, though. They, they don't have like the feature of like a double-page spread of people's face. No. Which is kind of cool. I don't know. Anyway, so that was some magazines. You know, so I don't know. Like, I don't want to, and so, yeah, we have some different things coming on this week. I really like this Mother's News. Um, I really like the St. Peter's Parish Bulletin. Some of these other things are not really aimed at me. Happiness Pony, I'm reasonably pleased with. It should be around. You should be able to pick this up if it's around. If you don't like it, or if you like it, you should email us and let me let us know what you think of the Happiness Pony. We're going to keep doing that for a while see how it goes. Um, what else you got? We're going to have a clip of people. This whole thing about why aren't people out there protesting the war against Libya? Why do people, uh, why do people think that they want to protest Bush's wars but not Obama's wars. We'll just have this clip of people. You know, I, I've been listening uh, my commute in the morning. I, I listened to Peter Blute a little bit on, mm-hmm. on the way in. And every single morning, that's how he, what, what, what he's talking about is how the hypocrisy with the left, because nobody is saying anything about uh, any of the missteps that the, the Obama administration is making. Um, and then, you know, when I get to work, I turn, fire up the computer, catch up on the news and whatnot. And all you see is this giant dilute, this, this flood of uh, people who would consider left-leaning criticizing uh, Obama's missteps. I, and I can't for the life of me understand what the disconnect is with folks who are saying that nobody is out, uh, you know, in know. opposition to the things that the Obama administration is doing or that there is not an equal amount of opposition that was out there with the uh, Bush administration. He's just, just doing it because now he knows that you watch the show. Well, you know like, this is one it, person I know listens to the show. I'm going to harass that one guy. I, I have, I, I'm starting to believe that it's really just more old people who have never figured out the internet. I'm, like I would, I'm what? just gonna argue that that Peter. I, I will make this statement. I do not think Peter Blute knows how to use Google. I think he, he, he oh, just come on. he has no idea how to fire up a computer and actually look for something. So if it's not on the front page of the Telegram or inside his stock portfolio, he ha- it doesn't exist in his uh his plane of reality. This is these these evening shows really got you in a testy mood, don't it's they, Brandon? A lot of coffee. Help. I don't. Well, I have no evidence for this. Peter Blute is gonna. Peter Blute probably watches this. A fine man. <laughs> I don't. He is a disgraced ex-congressman, but that doesn't mean he doesn't know how to use Google. Hmm. Speaking of which, uh, last night redistricting meeting up at Clark. 
That was uh, really probably one of the more boring uh, public meetings that I went to. But this is this thing about uh, congressional and state uh, legislative redistricting, right, right. And, and it's very very important. I shouldn't say. I mean, in the the folks that are on the board are from the state are, are doing an incredible amount of work, but. It's it's mind numbing, right? Because you've got Democrats, you know, trying to retain the, as much of their districts as, as they're currently drawn, so they can keep their seats yeah. when they're up well, for election. Let me let me, let Sorry, me interrupt you here. So, for people who are watching this on television, thank you for watching Five Way. For people who are watching this on the <laughs> internet, we're going to go a little long today. So, redistricting. This is so called or so called gerrymandering right. of of basically saying like here's a Democrat and here's a Democrat and here's a Democrat or a Republican or whatever. Mm-hmm. We're going to make a district which is like this. So that these three guys can elect yeah. themselves a Democrat. Meanwhile, all these Republicans are like, where are we? We're just out of here. And it seems like the lo- loudest voice to really change up the program from where it is now is Paul Frost, who's the Republican okay. um, state rep from Auburn. Okay. Uh, and he's looking for a you know north-south Worcester County mm-hmm. uh, district, which, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if you look at a map, makes perfect sense, right? You already go to county. Why not use that as a district? But it's also just another form of ger- gerrymandering because anybody that's done the math on the way population trends that have uh, changed over the over the last few years the entirety of Worcester County is red now, you know, with the exception of Southbridge and Worcester. Those are the only, you know, truly blue towns left. So it would actually make a lot of sense if you were a Republican state rep from Auburn to wish for, you know, a, you know, a, a county uh, delegation that was going to be red, right? I mean, it's all gerrymandering. It's all disingenuous. It's- so there's two, there's two issues I want to ask you, Brendan Milligan, political wonk. The first, or to bring up. So the first issue is, is this, this theory that it used to be that, Every U.S. representative represented however many people. Right. And then the number of representatives was frozen, and the population, meanwhile, got way bigger. In and 1929, so, that was the Reappropriations Act of 1929, which locked in forever the uh, the number of Congress people at 435. And with 100 senators, that's 535. And at that at that time, in there were Mad- less than 100 senators. Though, yeah. For comparison's sake, um, at the time, there well, they'll always be the same number of senators until we start adding more states. Right, right. But uh, yeah, I mean, so at that time in Massachusetts, we had roughly three million. It was, I think it was three point four million people at the last census. Mm-hmm. That'd be the two thousand. I mean, the uh, nineteen ten census. Yeah. Um, and uh, now we have over seven million, right? So you've got the same for double the population. You've got. I mean, there's no way nine. We have ten now, but next year it'll be nine Congress people. Or the next cycle will be nine. There's no way nine people can represent seven million people. It's just absurd. So, and that's really the root of the problem is that we should have over 800, you know, Congress people now. I don't know where the hell you'd put them all. Uh, you would need to build a new capital, but uh, it's so the Worcester only way County to should have a couple of Democrats and a couple of Republicans in yeah, Congress. Yeah, and that or would whatever. make perfect sense. Like Worcester should always have a a Demo- if we're going to do the two party thing, Worcester should always have a Democratic congressperson right. because that's the voting trend of the city. But I mean, in a way, it is unfair to you know the surrounding towns that. Uh, for whatever reason, have become very red by people migrating out of the cities or you know choosing to live in those communities. Right. Uh, they're able to determine their own political futures on a very local level, but once they get up to the the, the federal level, it's impossible. Because they're never going to outweigh the city of Worcester, well, or at least the way things are redistricted now. They maybe. might, but yeah, for the most part, it would be it would be really hard to offset that that population distribution. Um, so yeah, the only thing that you could ever really do is go back, revisit 1929, and remove that cap of uh, 435 congresspeople. And have an appropriate number, which isn't just so that Republicans in Sutton can have the uh, representation that they want. It's also that you can have real diversity within the political spectrum, too, right? I mean, it wasn't too long ago that we had Fiorello LaGuardia, is my favorite example, 
progressive Republican. I mean, mm-hmm. can you think of a single Republican that would ever think of using the word progressive as anything other than a pejorative now? But it used to be that we actually had Republican, die-hard, Repo- lifelong Republicans who considered themselves progressives. But that's because that's what the makeup of their district wanted. It's perfect, and it makes sense. I mean, you could have, within parties, you know, you could have real political diversity that would lead to, you know, maybe actual discussion and debate in Congress. Mm-hmm. I don't know that that's what anyone's shooting for, though. I'm glad you bring up LaGuardia, because he's kind of our patron saint of this show, just because he's... People have heard me mention this before. He's very famous during a newspaper strike in New York City, uh, going on the radio every day to read the comic strip aloud over the radio, the daily comic strips from out-of-town papers, so that the children of New York City would be able to know what was happening with Little Orphan Annie or whatever, which is basically what we do on the show, which is we read you the newspaper, yes. Um, So the other, and then the other point that I often hear made is that there's no, there's no, there's no sort of objectively correct way to break up districts to say, like some people might say, well, Worcester County should have a representative. Right. Maybe you could say that because it's a pre-existing political division. Fine. But other than that, there, there's no, there, there's sort of no just, just way to say, well, this is a no, whatever. Like it, this is the shape that they think the thing should be. Well, and that's probably the best example because while, yes, Worcester County is a geographical designation and it once had a political designation to go along with it before we got rid of the county seat uh, deal, uh, you know, we always, we've been talking the last couple of weeks even about, you know, Gabe Rollins, right? And, you know, mm-hmm. looking at the way the census really looks at municipal districts. Right. And if we're talking about federal level politics, it would probably make more sense to follow the patterns that the Census Bureau is already using to weigh urban areas or urban centers. Mm. And in New England, that's very different than just, you know, straight up and down counties. Uh, so I think we talked about this two weeks ago, how, you know, when you look at Worcester, you're actually <clears> figuring <throat> in parts of Connecticut and actually all the way down towards Fall River, like we mm. have now. Even though the, the district looks completely absurd, it reflects the... Is that your phone? It's my phone. It reflects the, um, the, the, the district exactly the way, it reflects Worcester exactly the way uh, the federal government already looks at us from a census hmm. perspective. So yeah, I mean, it, it can't just be, you know, squares or blocks or whatever. I mean, it, it, it should make more sense based, I mean, it should make sense based on the voting population and what those people are actually looking for for representation. So you're saying that, well, so I, I mean, I, so I guess what I'm saying, I guess I'm just trying to get, I'm just, I'm just trying, so I'm just trying to say that like, there's no standard to judge against. No. Is all is what I'm saying, and so in the absence of there being a standard to judge against, if there is, email us and tell us the standard, and we can have a discussion about yeah, that. Yeah, well, and there's no standards nationally, right? I mean, you got 36 states that do things the way we do, where the state legislatures draw things up. You've got a couple states that use uh, like uh, outside boards, non-governmental boards that draw these things up. Yeah. But what it comes down to is because it's you know a fight over districting, uh, it always becomes a game. And, you know, right. it's whoever's in control. I mean, it's not just Democrats, right? I mean, Texas in, in recent history has some of the, the best uh, examples of gerrymandering uh, when it comes to dicing up Texas, you know, completely. This is Tom DeLay. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we have districts that aren't even connected physically and whatnot to make sure that Republicans were able to hold seats. These it's wormholes. A, it's a game no matter who is playing it, unless you have, you know, a, allow for growth within the number of representatives. So this is figured out at the, at the state house. Mm-hmm. And this is controlled by the Democrats? Currently. Yeah. So this, so well, which is the time period we're talking about. So yeah. this means that, like, this this basically means that Jim McGovern is going to get reelected. Well, it means that he's probably going to hold on to his seat, yeah. I mean, okay. it'll be more of a, I don't have any inside knowledge on, on what, what those conversations are, but I mean, someone's going to lose their seat. They're currently all Democrats, so it's probably. Oh, okay. So that's the thing is, like, what are these, we have to have one fewer. We get 10, 10 we have one people, fewer all district. Democrats, one of them needs to find a new job. We don't have any Republican Congress people? Mm-hmm. Okay. 
We do have a Republican senator. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah, I noticed, yeah. Anyway, well, Martin, thanks for coming on to talk to thanks us. Thanks for having lot. me. I love this. I love this thing where it's like, you know that they changed the th- whatever. You're like, 1929. So, of course. Yeah. LaGuardia, of course. Um... Anyway, this is a show called Five Eight. We're on. Uh, we're on. Uh, this is just the internet is watching us now, so we can do whatever we want. Okay. We're on can seven. Put the camera down. Just walk away. And... Whatever. Just like <laughs> <laughs> check out these plants over here, guys. It's we're on seven o'clock on Friday on Channel Thirteen. If people want to watch us, other times also, but seven o'clock Friday is the most reasonable time. Uh, and uh, yeah, check us out. Thanks for having me, man. All right, thanks for being on the show. Take Everyone, care. thanks so much for watching the show. It really means a lot to us, and we will see you next week. Ah!